Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I'm excited to uh, to share this um, this message. So on Wednesday night, Katie preached, and she kind of had this throwaway, um, you know, wasn't in her, in her notes, just kind of this little section of her message and had a bunch of people come up and just say that this one little part really, really uh, resonated. And so um, really felt like there was something on it. So I'm going to really flesh um, that out uh, tonight in a little bit greater detail. And, you know, listen, I just, I can't help it. Pastor Lorena Gonzalez makes fun of me. She calls me a nerdy preacher. And I said, you know what? It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. That's just, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to accept it. And so we got a couple minutes of nerdiness but it's gonna get it's gonna get good, all right. It's gonna get good. So just hang in there for the nerdiness, because the nerdy stuff is actually really important. What we're gonna talk about tonight is order from chaos. The title of my message is "Order from Chaos." Now, um, the word "order," um, literally, if you look at the the etymology of the word, it comes from the same word that means rank, like in military, um, to have a, a rank, and. Um, you know the the word order it gets it gets thrown out uh, thrown around a lot in in uh, it's almost like we kind of take it for granted like what do they say in a in a courtroom when things get out of hand the judge smashes the gavel down and what does he say he says order order in the court order in the court whenever a um, some kind of you know important congressional hearing or something is going to happen they say this uh, session will now come to order. That's what they say, right? And it's what it means is um, that everybody ag- agrees on a certain set of rules and etiquette and behavior. And if we all agree on that, then those rules are going to govern how this meeting goes. And the only way that you can be productive in the meeting is if everybody is adhering to the rules. And that's what the judge is saying when he says order in the court. He said, hey, we have a way of doing things around here, and you guys are not doing it. So stop. Did Everly leave? My daughter just left? Like, she just stayed for, like, I get up here and she just leaves? Wow. Okay. Okay, well, noted. Anyway, sorry I got distracted. Imagine, you know, like if if I were to take the numbers 1 through 10 and I were to just, you know, mix them all up, hopefully all of us, could put them all back in order, right? And it's because we all agree that one comes first, then two, then... Can you imagine what it would be like? Just imagine for a second, if, if everybody just had their own take on what number went where. And when I count, I count three, seven, one, nine, two, six, five, eight, three. And when you count, you count one, two, six, five, nine. And then imagine, you know, imagine we're trying to build East Lake Campus. Chris Aguilar is out there and, and it's like, how long should this beam be? It should be 33 feet and... One ninth. But three to you means something different, and nine to somebody else means something different. Like literally nothing would get done. What order does is order allows things to be accomplished. 
And we see it in, I think it's Genesis chapter 10, maybe chapter 11, with the Tower of Babel, where the language of the men of the earth was ordered. Everybody spoke the same language, and they, uh, they build this, this, this massive tower. And it was sort of this idolatrous thing that said, you know what, we are going to build a tower straight to the heavens. We don't need God. And so what God does is he disorders their language and makes everybody speak in a different language. And because of the disorder in the language, they weren't able to complete this massive construction project. And so order matters because order is how we get things done. Everything in the Bible, and it's amazing. And I'm just like, this is why I love the Word of God. It's like I've been reading it for a really long time, and I feel like every time I read it, there is something I've never seen before, and it just it blows my mind. It's not just a book. This is a living, breathing thing that, if you let it, will radically, radically change your life. Everything in the Bible moves from chaos to order. In the beginning, this is um, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It's going to be uh, on the screen behind me. In the beginning, once you listen to these words, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And if you look at the original Hebrew where it says the earth was without form and void, it literally means, and the earth was in chaos. And then what does God do? He orders the chaos. And if we look at the creation narrative, you know, so God speaks for, for six days. God says, let there be light in the first day. And then he, every single day, begins to, to create these new elements of, of the universe that we, we know around us. He creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. Then he creates, um, you know, land and, and the oceans. Then he puts creatures in, in the sea and, and all these things. And goes all the way through and then gets to, to man. And so he begins to take the chaos and he begins to order it. He begins to shape it. And, um, and it's, it, it's not just in the creation narrative. Everything in the Bible is on a trajectory moving from chaos to order. In the beginning, we see Adam in a garden. And at the very end of Revelation, it talks about a city. How do you get from a garden to a city? You build, you order. That's the entire Bible starts with a garden and ends with a city. Everything in the Bible moves from chaos to order. Um, God asks Adam to name all of the creatures. And so I talked about this a few weeks ago. It is actually impossible for a human being to be creative in the, in the pure sense of the word. Only God can create. Really what creative people do is they're just the best arrangers of stuff that God has made. Okay? You can't create a new note, like a music note. There's only 12 of them. That's all there is, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then some sharps and flats in between. That's all there is. Now, the people who are really, 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 really great creative musicians and songwriters are the people who can arrange those notes in ways that nobody else can. That's all that, that being creative is. It's arranging the things that God has made, ordering the things that God has made. Everything in the Bible moves from chaos to order. Now, isn't it crazy that in our fallen world, there's a principle, I promise it's not going to be this nerdy. This is, the, this is the peak of nerdiness right here. That the second law, and you guys are all going to roll your eyes at me, the second law of thermodynamics, I know, I know, but it's important, it's important, hang in there, uh, talks about a principle called entropy. 
And in the world we live in, there's something called entropy. And entropy just means that everything on earth wants to move from an ordered state to a disordered state. And it's a scientifical, scientifical? Wow. A scientific, (laughs) physical, there we go, principle. And a really simple example would be ice. Ice is all the atoms in ice are, are, are structured in a sort of crystalline shape. But if you just set a piece of ice there, it moves towards disorder. It melts. And the atoms and the molecules just begin to separate and do their own thing. Everything on earth wants to move from order to disorder, from order to chaos. So the spirit of the world is directly juxtaposed against the spirit of God. Everything that God wants to do goes from chaos to order. Everything in our world wants to go from order to chaos. So now you should understand why it is hard to have order in your life. You're swimming upstream in a lot of ways. You live in a fallen world that is bent on being disordered, but the God of the universe is dead set on ordering everything. And order is how we get stuff done. Somebody say amen. Okay. Okay, that was the peak of the nerdiness. We're going to come down on the nerd. It's still going to be a little nerdy for a second, but we're going to come down a little bit. Now, I want to, I want to, and again, the reason this matters is I just don't want you to, I feel like this idea of, of having, and what we're going to do, what we're going to get to, I'm going to tell you where we're going, is, is I'm going to um, really unpack for you guys how to have an ordered life. And my goal is that you would leave here. And I, 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 Katie and I prayed in the car on the way here that the Holy Spirit would actually illuminate for every single person in here an area in your life that is out of order and that you would leave here with a tangible action item of something you're going to change in your life tomorrow to bring order into your life. So it's going to get very practical, okay? So just hang in there. But I, I need you to understand why this matters. It's a really, really big deal. Okay? Everything in the Bible, God moves from chaos to order. Now, I want to take a second. I want to look at the 10 plagues that God sent again. Now, if you don't know um, the story, so the, the Israelite, the, the chosen people of God are in captivity. They're slaves to the Egyptian um, people, and the, the, the Pharaoh is this, this tyrant that's just, you know, making the, the Israelites work super hard, and it's terrible. And so then God comes and, and says, hey, I'm going to actually free you guys from slavery and tells a, a man named Moses, hey, Moses, you're going to be my guy. You're going to lead these people out of slavery, and now you're going to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him, hey, let my people go, and I'm just, it's not going to go well. He's going to say, no. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to send 10 plagues against Pharaoh. I'm going to harden his heart. And after the 10th plague, he's going to let the people go. So it's like, like why 10? Why plagues? It's, it just kind of seems, now this is where it gets crazy. And can you put that first slide up? I think it says, uh, it's the picture of, um, of Genesis chapter one. Um, I think it's, yeah, that one. So this is Genesis chapter one. I've highlighted all the instances of the word said, and God said. Let's count them together. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We can all count because we all can put numbers in order. Praise the Lord. How awesome is that? Good for us. Ten. So in the creation narrative, God says the word said ten times. How many plagues did God levy against Pharaoh? Ten. Interesting. Now, if you look at every single one of the plagues, and can you go ahead and put the list of the plagues up there? These are, you know, the 10 plagues in just a couple words. 
Okay, first, God turns the Nile River from water into blood. The second plague is there's frogs that come and are just everywhere covering everything. It's disgusting. The next one is lice. Some translations say gnats. Then there's flies that are just all over the place flying through the sky. Then there's a disease, a pestilence that comes through. Then boils break out on all the livestock and all the people. Then hail comes. Then locusts come. And then uh, plague nine is that um, all of Egypt is cast into utter darkness. And then lastly, you guys, plague number 10 is um, where, uh, Pharaoh, or, uh, where God goes through and slays all the firstborn sons of all of Egypt unless the blood of the Passover lamb has been put on the doorposts and the lentils, okay? Now, it may just seem like it's so weird, like frogs and lice and hail. Like what in the world do these things have to do with one another? But it is, if you look at each of these plagues, every single one of them is actually undoing the creation that God made in Genesis chapter one. So if you, if you go and read Genesis chapter one, you'll see that one of the first things that God does, God does, it says that he gathered the water into a sea and then dry ground appeared, gathered. And what God says to, to Aaron, the, Moses' brother, the, the high priest, he says, I want you to stretch out your staff over all the gatherings of water, over all of the reservoirs, all of the dams, all of the rivers, all of the ponds. It's the exact same Hebrew word. So plague one is undoing the creation of water, okay? The water is no longer water, it gets turned to blood. Okay, then if you look at the creation narrative in Genesis chapter one, God makes um, the ocean, he makes the sky, he makes the land, and then he fills all of those with creatures. It says in Genesis chapter one that God put fish to, to swarm in the seas. He put creeping uh, critters and creatures to crawl on the earth and he put birds in the sky. If you look at plagues two, three, and four, it's an undoing of the water of the earth and of the sky, of the creatures. So plague number two is frogs. Now, the Bible says in Exodus that the frogs start out in the water and then they come all out of the water and they go into every nook and cranny of Egypt. So you have the creatures that were meant for the water coming out of the water and going into places that they weren't meant to be. And then the lice, the Bible says that the lice comes from the dust of the earth. And so the, the lice is, is going all over the earth and, and making people itch and doing all kinds of crazy things. And then the flies fill the sky. And so in Genesis 1.28, it says that man is meant to have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. But what we see in this is that man doesn't have dominion over it. It has dominion over man because everyone is bothered by all these frogs, all, these, all this lice, and all these flies. So we see this reversal of creation. Okay, everybody with me so far? Okay, next uh, plague is the pestilence and the boils. So disease breaks out and it strikes all of the livestock. And so the very next thing that this, the plagues unravel is livestock and all the creatures that God gave to man to have dominion over. And so you have the, the, the pestilence and the boils that strike the livestock. Then a hailstorm comes. And the Bible says in Exodus that the hail came down and crushed every crop. And so the very next part of creation that gets undone is the vegetation. Because that was one of the things that it says in Genesis chapter 1, that God makes all of the vegetation and every you know, herb of, of the field is, it can be for food and all these things. And then you have, um, so the hail and the locusts destroy all of the crops. And then plague number nine is utter darkness. And so that undoes the light. And so we see through these 10 plagues, an undoing of every single thing in the creation narrative in Genesis chapter one. And of course, plague 10, the most severe, is the slaying of the firstborn, which is the undoing of the creation of man. 
And so in Exodus, we see this undoing of what God has made. And what is so clear, what is so clear, what God is trying to tell us is that if there is not order in your life, it will bring destruction. If you do not heed my commands, if you do not, and that's exactly what happened to Pharaoh. Pharaoh didn't listen. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and so destruction was brought into his life. That's why this matters. And I want to, I'm gonna, we're going to switch gears now, and I want to give you some really, really practical just life tips on how to live a life of order. But I want you to understand that it really, really matters, that God is abundantly clear. The Bible says that the, the righteous, his steps will be ordered by the Lord. Okay, and so I want to um, switch gears now and just give you guys some very, very practical ways that you can bring order into your life. Now, many of you guys would have heard uh, this this story, um, but Katie and I took over as the campus pastors of this church, um, January fifth, twenty twenty, and um, and twenty twenty was was a very difficult year for a lot of reasons, okay, for a lot of us, for all of us on some level, okay? And um, so we're brand new pastors and obviously, you know, March happens and this COVID thing happens and then everybody is mad at Katie and I all of a sudden, everybody on earth apparently, we're getting Instagram DMs being called grandma killers and I got called a playground one time, which was crazy. And um, so, you know, we had all that going on and then um, uh, George Floyd died in, I think it was June of, of 2020. And that was, a, if you guys remember, that was a, there was racial tension in our country like there has not been in decades and decades that, um, you know, our campus, the Eastlake campus is a very racially diverse church. And so that was a very, very big thing. I also had started a brand new business. And so I'm trying to keep this business afloat in the middle of 2020 while all of my clients are just like, hey, we're just going to push pause on everything until 2021. Just kind of let this thing ride out. Um, Katie and I suffered um, a lot of family loss. My sister took her own life in July of 2020. And then her daughter, uh, who was, you know, just wrecked over the whole thing, actually moved from Dallas. We took her into our house. And so we had, you know, it was just, it was wild. Okay. 2020 was a difficult, difficult year for us. And so I cashed in my relational equity with Pastor Jurgen, And I just said, Pastor Jurgen, I need to go to coffee with you and I need to go right now. I am not doing well. And of course, Pastor Jurgen was amazing. said, great, let's do it. And so, you know, I, I sit down with Pastor Jurgen, and I'm just spewing everything going on. It's all going wrong. I'm trying to spin 19 different plates. They're all wobbling. I don't know what to do. And he just very plainly said, okay, I'll help you. Let me tell you how it should go. And this is what I, this is, if you're taking any notes, write these five words down. God, marriage, kids, work, church. He said to me that the most important thing is your devotion. If your devotion to God slips, um, you know, dies, falters, fails, then everything will unravel. That is the most important thing is your devotion to God. Secondly, is your relationship with your wife. If your wife doesn't feel loved by you, romanced by you, chased by you, pursued by you, then, then, that, then it's not going to work. Nothing's going to work. Next is your kids. If your kids don't feel like their daddy has their back, is going to take care of them, is going to provide for them, that, that, that is going to provide discipline, then that's not good. And then next he said, the next thing is your business and your work. You need to be in the marketplace, crushing it, being excellent, making money, taking, taking ground in the marketplace. And then he said to me, a distant fifth is the church. And I just remember being just so baffled. I, like, 
I thought for sure he was going to be like, you know, I mean, he's the pastor of the church. Like, I thought he was going to be like, hey, man, I know it's tough right now, but just come on. Can you just hang in there just a little bit longer? Can you just, can we just stretch a little bit through, you know, 2020 is crazy. Come on, let's just, just put God's house first. And that's not what he said, because there's a divine order that we're called to live in. And that's the order. God, marriage, kids, work, church. Psalm 23, King David says, my cup overflows. Everything you do at church, everything you do in ministry, everything, if you're a leader in here, serve on a team, whatever it is, everything has to come out of the overflow of the first four things working correctly. And if you're here and you just want to volunteer on every single team and you're just like ministry, 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 oh my gosh, I can't wait, I'm going to preach one day, and your marriage is a disaster, your kids hate you, then you're not doing it right. I'm sorry, you're not doing it right. And we, that's not something that we want to multiply. If you're a connect group leader and you know, you're like, oh, we're gonna multiply our connect group, we're gonna have eight connect groups that pop out of ours and you and your wife are on the brink of divorce, well, we don't wanna multiply that. We want you to have a healthy marriage and multiply that, okay? And so I wanna give you some really, really practical steps on what this looks like. Okay, starting with, and uh, let me... You know, this is biblical, by the way. And if you don't believe me, go ahead and put up 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a... This one's going to sting, okay? If you let this read... You know, people think that you read the Bible. No, no, no. The Bible reads you, okay? If you let this read you... This one's hard, okay? This one's hard. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then, just someone in church leadership, uh, must be blameless. The husband of one wife, thank you for that distinction. I don't know how anybody could ever handle more than one, but whatever. Temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. That's a question you have to ask yourself. Do my children revere me? Because that's what the Bible says an ordered household looks like, that children respect their parents. Do your children respect you? For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he falls into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. What that means is what do non-believers say about you? What do non-Christians say about you? It doesn't matter if everybody in here says you're awesome and then everybody at work is like, that guy sucks. <laughs> you're not doing it right. The Bible says that you have to have a good testimony among those outside the church? Do you live your life in such a way that people who aren't believers would say nice things about you? That's what an ordered life looks like. And I love this because it says, if you want to be a bishop, if you want to be in church leadership, all of this stuff has to be done first. It doesn't say, if you jump into church leadership, then all of this stuff will, it doesn't, doesn't flow from that. 
the leadership, the authority, the, the promotion, that stems from this, from having your life in order, in order, all right? I know this isn't a, this isn't a big clap and amen message. You know, I, I'm, you know, I wasn't asking for that. I know, I know it hurts so good. And I want to just give you guys, and look, I'm not saying I got it all figured out. Like, you know, I, like, this is my life, okay? On the right hand, I'm in the flow. I just feel like God's breath is behind what I'm doing. I know that I'm in my calling. I am just, I feel anointed by God to, you know, for everything I've got going on. That's the right hand. The left hand feels like the wheels might fall off at any moment. And I feel both of those equally every day. And I used to think that was, like, I was like, is that okay? Is, I mean, I'm pretty new at this pastoring thing. Is that, like, normal? And pastor can say, yeah, I feel like that too. I was like, oh. <laughs> and that's what a life, and I, literally I asked Mike, Pastor Mike Connell, okay? You know, he's, like, almost 80, and he's been doing it a really long time. And he was like, yeah, I feel that way too. I was like, oh, thank God. And that's life. That's a life of faith. That's a life of faith. Because I'm not telling you I've got it all, all figured out by any stretch, but I just want to give you a few practical things. Okay, the first one. So we're, we're just going to march in order. So your devotion, your devotion to God is the most important thing. And listen, there, because it's the most important thing, don't you necessarily think that there's going to be warfare around it every single day? Of course there is. Have you ever noticed how you sit down to try to read the Bible the minute it opens? One of our kids wants something. I mean, it's like they have like a Bible radar. It's crazy. Like literally, Bible opens, I'm hungry, I need breakfast. Bible opens, Leon pooped his diaper. Like it is just like, it's crazy. But then you can get on Instagram and just all of a sudden 90 minutes goes by. And you're like, where did 90 minutes just go? I just got done watching reels of people get hurt for 90 minutes. That's what, you know, I don't know. Like literally, maybe this gives you insight about me, but my Instagram algorithm is people getting hurt and people lifting weights. That's what they feed me. That's what they feed me. I guess that's what I'm into. I'm not sure. But it's like, isn't it crazy? Like, you can, you can just zone out and watch a show, and like, boom, 45 minutes goes by, just like that. But then you sit down to read the Bible, and it just feels like, you know, your mind is just like, squirrel. Oh, yeah. What do, oh, I got I to gotta pay the yard guy for the da 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 It's warfare. There's warfare around it. There are spirits of distraction. The real spirit. Like, that's a spirit. A spirit of distraction. And it is on high alert when you sit down to read your Bible. So don't be, you got to fight for it a little bit. You just sit down, you start reading and, you know, like you, like there's times where like, you, I don't, maybe I'm the only one, I hope not. But you know, you like, it's like you read something, but you didn't read it. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, I just, I just read like 12 sentences, but then I don't remember a single, it's like I just like time warp somehow. And you just have to be like, no, 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 go back and read it again. There's going to be warfare around your devotion. And listen, your de like variety is the spice of life. Like mix it up. It doesn't have to be like, okay, you know, I, whatever. Like I, I get up, I make my cup of coffee, I sit down, I, you know, I read this many verses and then I pray for, like do something different. Like, I, like for me, and you know, it's, look, we have small kids. Like it, it, it is not like, we're not in the season of just like every single morning, it looks exactly the same at the Yeager household. I mean, every single morning it's like, who knows what's going to happen? I have no idea. Okay, and a lot, we have to adapt and we have to pivot. I mean, Katie and I literally like, 
just the other day, like she was, Katie was super frazzled. Like she just wanted to read her Bible and every single one of our children was going after her for something. I was trying to get out the door. I had a, a ton of work I had to get done. And Katie just was like, I could tell that she was just in a bad way. And I said, okay, you know what? Okay, I'm gonna take the kids on a walk. And I took all the kids out of the house for 30 minutes and I just let my wife read the Bible. And I'm just hoping for a return payment, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and sometimes, like, you, if you're married, like, you got to work together and figure it out. And, and it, you know, sometimes, like, sometimes it's, it's, you know, just worshiping in the car, if that's all you, and listen, I don't want to, like, that, the time should be sacred. Like, I don't want to make it sound like you can just kind of piecemeal together. But it's like, you just do whatever you got to do, okay? Do whatever you got to do. And, like, you find, like, for me, and this is just my personality type, and I know a lot of people are not like me, but I am, like, I get deeply moved by sort of the, the intellectual side of our faith. Like, I, like, when I see this kind of stuff in the Bible, like, I, that's, what, that's what does it for me. And so I listen to a lot of really, really nerdy, scholarly people that you would probably fall asleep to if you had to listen. Maybe, that, maybe you could use it as your go-to-sleep stuff, okay? But for me, that lights me up. It lights me up. And so that's what I listen to. That's what I, because that, you need to find, like, what, what gets you going? Like, what works for you? And it's okay if it's something different, but you have to fight for your devotion. Everything from it flows from that. Even more, listen, if you're in here and you're just like, like, I don't even know where to start. That's okay. That's okay. This is something that really helped me, and this is as practical as it gets, okay? There's a book by a guy named Tim Keller. He passed away um, a few months ago. Um, he's a hero in the faith to me. Like, there's few people besides Pastor Jurgen that have had more of an impact on me than this guy, Tim Keller, who I, I never met. He was a pastor in, um, in, uh, in New York City. He wrote a book called Jesus the King, and in it, he just sort of goes through the book of Mark, and kind of, it's not, it's not a commentary. It's just, it's just, it's very fast paced. It's very engaging. And if you're, if you're totally new to reading the Bible, I would suggest you get that book and you read the, the book of Mark, which is just the life of Jesus Christ. And you follow along with that book. And it just, I, I, it really helped me learn how to read the Bible. And that, that's kind of where things really started for me years and years ago. That book really, really, really helps me. So that maybe that will help you. Very, very practical thing. All right, next. Man, you got the band up here already? Oh my gosh. Can I keep going? Is that okay with you? Okay. <laughs> next thing after your devotion is your marriage. Your marriage. And uh, here, come up here with me, babe. I'm going to use you as a, a visual aid. Do you mind? Can you come up on, on stage here for a second? Um, this is going to sound, you know, backwards. A key to a successful marriage is to fight a lot. And hear me out. Hear me out. Yes, we are crushing it. Um, because friction means that you're close. It's really, it's a major red flag when couples say, oh yeah, we, we rarely fight. It means you're not close. Like literally that's what friction is. Friction is two things that are close together moving in opposite directions. And actually, the greater the force pulling those things together, the greater the friction. So actually, fighting means that you're close. And I know this is gonna sound crazy, but when you fight frequently, 
you have a lot of very minor fights that are easy to work through. And they just take, you know, 15, 20 minutes, you get a little frustrated, you work it through. When you don't fight frequently, then when you do fight, it's like a three-day affair. You know, someone doesn't talk to somebody for 24 hours. And, and here's what, here, lock arms with me. This is what fighting should look like in marriage. It should look like we're both facing the same way. We're going that way. But what fighting in, in a healthy marriage is, is I think we should walk this fast. Katie thinks we should walk this fast. I think we should go this way. She thinks we should go that way. I think, why are you pulling on me? Quit doing that. Go straight. That's what fighting in a healthy marriage looks like. Here's what fighting in an unhealthy marriage looks like. It's where you square up against each other and you fight at each other instead of fighting for each other. And so one of the things that, that Katie and I would say we do really well is we fight really, really well. And we actually fight frequently. And you know, maybe fight's not the right word, like, but there's like even um, this morning, even this morning, Katie just was, we, we have a, a coffee date every, you can go, yeah, thank you, you're amazing. Give it up for Katie Yeager, you're amazing. Uh, every Wednesday morning, um, we take about an hour and a half and we go to coffee and, um, and that's kind of our like, hey, how are we doing? It's not administrative. We're not talking about, okay, you know, kids got to go here this day, soccer practice, da, da, da. It's, it's, and honestly, like, it's not always my favorite time because that's when Katie says, you know, hey, and that's what this morning was, was, hey, here's a couple, a couple things that have kind of frustrated me and, and I, I don't love the way you're doing this or that. And, um, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, and so we, you know, we, we, got tense for a couple minutes, but got worked out in about 15 minutes. We were laughing and having coffee and had the best day in the world. And it's because we fight frequently, we make space. It doesn't turn into like just massive, you know, blow up kind of stuff. Do you also as a husband or as a wife make the space for that? There was a season in our marriage a few years ago where um, we were I was not doing a good job of, of making space for us. And so it was like, we would go on like one date night, like every two weeks. And that was really like, other than that, we were like business partners. It was like, we were roommates and just like ships in the night. And, and, you know, but I felt like, like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm giving you this super nice, fancy date night. And then every time we'd go out on a date, it would just be like two hours of just fighting. And it's like, here we are dropping $250 on a meal plus babysitting. And I'm like, why am I paying for this? This is not fun. But I realized what it was is poor Katie, like she didn't have any time with me to have these discussions. All she had was that one two hour dinner every couple weeks. And so she just, that was the only time and it all had to come out. And I realized that as I began to make space for us to talk, space for us to do a check-in, like, hey, how are you feeling? You feel like I'm doing doing okay? Are, are your needs being, being met? Am I meeting your needs? Like we make space for that and it really greatly increases marriage happiness. Can I get a big amen? And then have fun have fun, go out on dates, go to, like you live in the finest city in the entire country. When was the last time you just went to the beach? I don't even care if you hate the beach. Like Katie and I used to live in Dallas, Texas. We would drive 14 hours to get to the beach. And then you bratty San Diegans are just like, uh, it's 20 minutes, I don't wanna go. There's gonna be traffic on La Jolla Boulevard. I don't wanna do it. Go to the beach, watch a sunset. Enjoy this amazing city with your spouse. Thirdly is your kids. 
And you know, I, I, this one, I, I always have a hard time giving parenting advice because I'm so new at it. Like my oldest son is seven. I'm only, I'm only seven years in. There's a lot of things I haven't navigated, but um, one thing that I do just want to impart is, is like, you're the parent. You're the boss. They entered your world. You did not enter theirs. They entered your world. And it's your job as a parent to teach them how to be a contributing member of society. And so, you know, with every single one of my kids, they, they all of them, Zeke, Everly, and Leon is just now entering it. They all go, they've all gone through this, it's about 18 months is what it was for the first two. Hopefully this one will be shorter. Where they just, it's like they're, they're, they're little and they, they, they start to be, they de- develop preferences where there's things they want and things they don't want, but they can't talk, they can't communicate. And so they just get frustrated. They throw temper tantrums and they throw fits, okay? As a parent, if your kid throws a fit in public, the most important thing that you can do is you remove them from the social situation. It's the most important thing you can do because what you communicate to your child is this behavior is unacceptable in greater society. You are a small part of a massive society. It does not revolve around you. And so when you behave in a way that is not does not produce pleasure in a social setting, you get removed from that setting. And it teaches kids that, oh, if I want to not be embarrassed and get plucked out of a social setting on a dime like that, then I can't throw fits. You're the boss. You're the boss. Take charge of your own kids. Jordan Peterson, a clinical psychologist, uh, wrote a book called 12 Rules for Life. And one of the rules that he says for uh, is the 12 rules for life. One of them is do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. And if your kids do something that you don't like, I guarantee you nobody else likes it, okay? You've got more grace for your kids than anybody else. And then um, very, very quickly, uh, the next one is, is business. And, you know, we've got so many resources for, for how you can be excellent at what you do. Um, go to Pathfinders Conference. Like, have an excellent spirit about you. Like, if you are out there evangelizing in your workplace, but you show up to work late every day, what? <laughs> it's so... Like you're hurting more than you're helping. You might as well stop evangelizing because people, you're giving us a bad rap. Like Christians should be the most excellent in every discipline. The greatest art in the world was in the church. Literally to this day, the most valuable piece of art in the history of mankind is a painting called the Salvador del Mundi by Leonardo da Vinci. And it's a picture of Jesus. Like, Christians should be making the greatest art, the, the, the most healthy, profitable businesses, like being the most exemplary uh, uh, employees. Like that's what we should be as Christians. And lastly, church. Everything in church needs to come after those things are in order. Now, listen, look right at me. This does not mean, oh, I can't serve at church anymore because my wife and I have been fighting. No, 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 All five of these things need to be present for a, a you know, if, if, you know, not, I'm not saying you have to be married to have a fulfilling life or have to have kids, that, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying for um, families that are married that have kids, like all of these things need to be present. You need to be serving in the house of God. The Bible says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. All of these things need to be present. But what it means 
is when one of them is unhealthy, this gives you the roadmap on which order you need to address those things. If your devotion life is going going great, you're waking up, you're reading like God's speaking to you like crazy, you know, and then your your kids are a little wheels off and things have been tense in your marriage, you fix your marriage first. Get things right with your marriage first, then move on and fix uh, issues with your kids. That's what order looks like, okay? So first is your devotion to God. Second, if you're married, is your marriage. Thirdly is your kids, if you have kids. Fourth is your work, your business, and a distant fifth is the church. And when these things are in order, you'll find that your life flourishes. Everything, the, I think it's the Marines that say that slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And I love that saying. When you do something intentionally, you'll do it smooth. And when something is done smooth, it will be done fast. And so it's the same with your life. If you have order in your life, you actually, you'll find that you, you become more productive. You become happier. You become more joyful. So why don't we all stand to our feet? And what I want to do is I, I would love it if you would just take a second and close your eyes. And we're just going to kind of do, do all of this here in, in your seat. And, um, and like I said, I prayed on the way over here. Katie and I did. And, and what I, like if, if, we get up here on Sundays and Wednesdays and, and you leave here and say, wow, that was a great message, but nothing is different in your life, then we didn't, we didn't do a good job. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, you should leave here with something in your life that you can do different that's gonna invoke a change in your life. And so I would love it if we would just close our eyes and what, what, I'm, what I've asked is that the Holy Spirit would begin to illuminate areas of your life where things are a little out of order. Maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's in your devotion, maybe it's with your kids, maybe it's, maybe it's at work, um, maybe you're not serving at church, maybe, I don't know what it is. But what I, what I want, and this isn't about me and my ego and feeling like I did a good job, this is about you and God, is I want you here in a second, if, if God has illuminated something to you and you're going to actually change something about your life starting tomorrow, I want you to raise your hand here in just one second. And just one second, I'm gonna, I wanna pray for you. Here's what I want you to do. Here's the stipulation. Don't put your hand up yet because I wanna make you do something hard. Not only do you have to put your hand up, but when you leave in the car, if you're married, you have to tell your spouse what that thing is. If you're in here and you're not married, I want you to text a friend and tell them what that one thing is, okay? So now, if you're committed to that, I wanna pray for you if you know of one thing that you're gonna to do to bring order in your life. I want you to just lift your hand up really, really quick. And I'm gonna pray for us and just believe that order is gonna come into our homes, order is gonna come into our life, and that's gonna release just a wave of productivity, of blessing, of favor. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God of order, that everything you do moves from chaos to order. And God, that, that if there is some level of chaos in our world, that God, that we wouldn't, God, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God, I pray that any, any lies from the enemy that, that would seek to, 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 to rub, rub our noses in and say, look at how, how big of a mess your finances, look at how big of a mess your marriage is, look at how big of a mess your kids are, whatever it is. God, right now we silence that wicked spirit in the name of Jesus. We declare that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But Holy Spirit, you are our helper. You come to help us, to be our counselor. So God, right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to move in people's hearts. You would illuminate areas of our life that we need to have conversations about with our spouse. Conversations, I see, I even see some of us going to our bosses uh, tomorrow and saying, hey, can I get a quick 
five minutes, hey, you know what? I feel like I've been, I've been taking some shortcuts, uh, you know, at, at work. And I just want to let you know I'm not doing that anymore. That what you're going to get out of me is going to be a Joseph spirit. Just as Joseph made everything in the house of Potiphar flourish, that's what I'm going to be for you. I'm going to be a Joseph to you as Potiphar. I, there's going to be husbands that go to, to their wives and say, hey, you know what, baby? I realize that I haven't made space for you to express, you know, what makes you happy, what makes you feel romance, what makes you feel love. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make that space. I see mommies getting down on their knees with their kids and saying, hey, you know what? Mommy has let let work get in the way of, of my relationship with you. And mommy wanted to let you know that I'm going to, I'm going to start to get that right. I see dads coming to their kids and saying, Hey, you know what? I realize when I've, when I've come home, I've let the stress of my, my work day, um, spill out over onto you, my kids. And I'm, I'm committing from this day forward. That's not going to be the case. When I come home, my kids are going to get the very, very best. They don't get the scraps. They don't get the leftovers. God, I pray for order to come into our homes. And that from that, God, would be a launching board of blessing, of favor. God, I see finances beginning to increase. I see joy in marriage. I just prophesy even, even walls of bitter, bitterness come tumbling down, walls of resentment come tumbling down. I see marriages just catching a new wave, and, and it's just going to be like you're, like you're dating all over again, laughing and flirting and having fun. God, I see children flourishing, children coming back to the house of God. I see kids who have been gone for decades and decades coming back to the house of God, reconciling with their parents. I see phone calls being made to, to, to parents for, for, from sons and daughters who haven't talked to their parents in years, making the phone call saying, hey, mom, dad, I'm sorry. You know what? I'm sorry. I blamed you for my problems, but I'm not going to do that anymore. God, I thank you for order coming in to the church in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.